morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have tuned in for our second season and the 11th episode of The Artful Nutmeg. Today's episode is focusing on everyone's favorite, or least favorite time of the year, the summer transfer window. We'll be going through what the summer transfer window is, the significance of it, and of course, some big transfers. I am one of your hosts, Tom Ferguson, and with me is our other host, Daniel Wise. Daniel, how's it going? So, Tom, when we last, you know, talked to each other, we were like, you know, we're going to take a little bit of a break. You know, there's some things coming up in July. So, you know, June's kind of a wasteland of soccer. And like, you know, this is a great time to just kick back, relax, and then everything happened during during that break and it's been really wild because i don't know i you know i i pay attention to a lot of things that go on and most years there's a lot of like dilly dallying and you know uh rumors and stuff that goes on in terms of like players moving from one team to another from one league to another entirely different countries that whole thing and there's there's a lot of talk about like you know such and such you know 50 million here being tossed around 100 million there being tossed around but none none of it ever really substantiates until like the very end but there have been uh some big moves and like big money moves uh that all happened during like yeah the the two or three weeks that we've been away so uh i am interested to kind of get into that uh to sort of flesh out what the transfer market is how that all works and yeah just it it is gonna be a really fun episode yeah this is probably one of my favorite topics uh mainly because the transfer window is such an exciting time for if you're a player for the team as a whole and obviously for the fans and that we, we missed, we missed quite a lot. We'll obviously talk about some of it. We probably could have done a couple of episodes <laughs> between the time we missed on stuff uh, because so much has just happened, but we'll be able to get in a good amount of information for everybody, of course, and give our own thoughts about it. Now let's get into what the summer transfer window is. Right. So summer transfer window, which is known as the preseason window for the majority of leagues, is a period of 12 weeks set by FIFA in which teams may register deals with other teams slash players. These registrations or signings depend on contract statuses of players. Whether they're bound by contract to a club that the player must be bought or loaned, while a player who is at the end of their contract could join a team with only the player's contract to be negotiated means that the team they're previously on gets no fee whatsoever so one of the big things we see in this transfer window is players who have one year left on their deal Mm -hmm. um those players are the ones that either teams are dying to give them a new contract or they're trying to sell them so they can get some sort of money out of it with the comparison to the winter transfer window the winter transfer window which is known as the mid-season window to most league is a term of one month or four weeks where while games are actually being played in the league that throughout that month, players and teams may move players may actually move to different teams. So you will see one guy play a game on Saturday and he could be traded by the Tuesday to a different club. 
it's it's a very interesting uh dynamic i mean do you have do you have a preference on your favorite oh, preseason my... or midseason yeah so um the midseason is always interesting and i guess uh to my perception it seems like that's when a lot of loan deals happen and sometimes it's for short-term things because, yeah, as you get into uh, sort of the rigors of the season, especially for teams who are playing in multiple, you know, domestic uh, or or European or or continental championships uh, during that course, yes, knocks and injuries do happen. And sometimes, yeah, players go down for various reasons and then teams kind of need someone to step in. So it's a little different when we're talking about like transfers and then loans where like a transfer is where a team, a player is sold from one team to another, whereas a loan basically says uh, this team is going to essentially rent out the contract of the player. They're going to, you know, sort of take on the period of their wages. Uh, it can be anywhere from, you know, sort of like a half season loan to a full year loan, uh, just kind of depending, uh, you know, sort of leagues and, you know, kind of again, you know, sort of how we talk about how this is a preseason for a lot of European leagues. There are other leagues, you know, namely Major League Soccer that plays during the summer and then takes uh, most of the fall and winter months off. So uh, same thing happens with, uh, I want to say, Mexico, a lot of the South American leagues as well. And then the South Korean League also has kind of like a staggered season as well. So uh, that that is sort of how that kind of breaks down. And again, yeah, I, I would say yes, if you're kind of tuning in for the excitement, Yes, the summer window is like where that is, because that's where you're talking about huge money transfers, you know, into your 75 million to 150 million, whatever that would be. Uh, And then, you know, if you are kind of like hoping for that midseason transfer, you're hoping for a a quality loan loanee to come in and make an impact on the squad if your team is is sort of fighting through some injuries. Right. I mean, it's it really comes down to a, the the midseason window always feels a bit more panicky. Yeah. If that's the right word. Um, it's more like, oh, God, what do we need? Oh, God, we, we need a striker. Uh, let's get Val Veghorst. I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's very um, the Band-Aid solution, usually where the preseason window is always about okay, what's our plan? What do we want for this guy for the next couple of years? So going on to that with when does this actually, you know, the preseason window actually start? Mm-hmm. So as we were saying, for most leagues, it takes place from date in June or July until the beginning of September or October. So in these leagues we talked about uh, would be the Premier League in England, Serie A in Italy, the Bundesliga in Germany, Ligue 1 in France, La Liga in Spain and Eredivisie in the Netherlands. But as Daniel was talking about earlier, for some countries, their leagues have different start dates for the beginning of their season, and therefore they have a different 12-week preseason period for transfers. So some examples were 
the Canadian League in Canada, the Alsvenskan in Sweden, the Elite Syrian in Norin, which I love that one, by the way. That's mm-hmm. a great league name, Elite Syrian. Uh, the Brasileiro Serie A in Brazil, and, of course, the MLS in the USA. Now, these teams also have a four-week mid-season transfer window, which, teams, which tends to take place during July and August. So if you think about where we are now, while some teams are in the 12-week window for transfers, yeah, other leagues, such as the MLS, are in their one month. So it's really interesting to see the difference between how you can do those signings. Um, like back in February, we saw a Premier League player come over to DC United, and yep. that was, of course, because uh, the MLS was in their 12-week transfer period. Yep. But... What we really need to go on to is why the preseason window is significant or for the big year leagues, the summer window. It is the craziest mind-bending unsureness of 12 weeks for every football fan. The amount of rumors that are swirled through the age of social media makes it increasingly difficult to confirm what is legitimate information and what is just BS. Mm-hmm. Now, some, t- some teams like Man United, Arsenal, Barcelona, Bayern, etc., all get linked to dozens of players every window. I remember last year, Man United found that they were linked to around 80 different players, which is over seven full 11s. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It is crazy, and it's also, you you do have a lot of shenanigans happen. I remember years ago, uh, before he made his move to Barcelona, uh, Arsenal was linked with uh, Luis Suarez, who was at the time playing at Liverpool. And uh, Arsene, he was interesting because he was a classic low baller, and he always had, you know his minimum and his maximum. And he never sort of took the bait from other teams, you know, in in terms of like going towards, you know, sort of Galacticos type of type of numbers. In fact, it was uh, late in his career with um, uh, Pepe that he actually spent a club record uh, $76 million uh, for the winger, or not dollars, but euros for, or pounds actually, geez, uh, for the winger. And that was unheard of. Like, you know, I, I think before that, I think club record was probably Mesut Ozil at like 30. Then uh, I want to say Alexis, like probably around 20 to 24 million. So like they, they were in kind of like a sensible area. But the thing about that is with Suarez he had a contract clause where I think it was like 40 million pounds was like his threshold uh, for for offers being considered and so what Arson did and I don't know how, how valid this is or if this was you know anecdotal or hearsay but his attempt was to go uh, 40 million pounds plus a pound uh, to trigger the clause. And Liverpool was like, absolutely not. What are you talking about? What are you like, doing? Get out of here. Get out. Get of out. Here. So, you know, there was, there was, oh man, so many years where Arsenal would be linked to a 
big name player and and there'd be names all around but there'd always be one that would stick out and then it'd be talking all up through the deadline day and then nothing would ever happen and then yeah they would probably you know buy some other player that nobody really had on like their wish list or or really saw coming so yeah that's that's sort of what i've had to deal with for years and years and years following this club I was I was talking about that with my roommate actually how um a couple of years ago the main signing of the summer at Arsenal was like a 36-year-old Peter Check in like the last week of the window. Yes. After it, like months of rumors. It, it was Peter Check and and yeah, it was David Luiz was was on the squad right now or at that time and so yeah, it was it was really funny because then they had that FA Cup where uh, Chelsea beat Arsenal in the final. My brother kept on sending me texts of like Petr Cech walking back to the Chelsea uh, locker room, and <laughs> you know that it's that one where that basketball co- coach, he's that old white oh, guy yeah. who comes in and he's all like, he's like, ah. <laughs> I was like, yep, nope, that's that's correct. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and there have been some crazy deals in the past. Um, Going back to Arsenal, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> was the one of the few swap deals we've ever seen. Probably one, probably why they don't do swap deals anymore. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez. Yes, which was like the worst. Not not like one one over the other. It was just two players that both just were doing bad, and then they were traded, and then they just continued to be bad. Yeah. God, that that I'll never I'll never forget. But <laughs> apart from all the uncertainty and the rumors, here's the other big part about the window. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Every year, the prices to sign players has gone up considerably, with the top players seeming going for close to 100 million on a regular basis. An example is signings during the winter winter window by London-based team Chelsea were considerable, with Mudrick signing for 110 million euros, who previously moved to his former club in 2021 for only 200,000. Wow. That's that's the craziest jump I've ever seen. Yep. And of course, the other being Enzo Fernandez signing for 120 million euros, who previously moved the window before that for 44 million euros. Now, crazy that those two transfers are, they aren't alone. 100 million plus fee players are becoming increasingly common, with those fees becoming more and more expensive by the year. I mean, who is, well, I guess Arsenal's will be this year. Yes. But there have been some crazy ones, like uh, Neymar went for 220. Something like that, just absolutely absurd. Two hundred twenty million when he moved from Barcelona to PSG. Uh, we have to remember that some clubs are <laughs> state-owned. For most teams, the summer window or preseason window is a chance to revamp their team, to move on those duds that didn't fit the squad or that have some baggage. In United's case, mm-hmm. it's also the chance to fill the needs of a team. Whether it's a striker, a goalie, or just someone who can make or someone who can take your team to the next level. Coaches have this chance to sign players that implement their system. This could be a new coach who wants to switch things up, 
or a coach that's in their second or third year and wants to keep working to improve their project. Now, we see this a lot with examples like Pochettino has come into a Chelsea side that basically needs to be gutted and completely new. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a coach that has tons of experience. He did stuff at Spurs, but the way that they are moving in the market is very heavy. Now, there are other, there's another thing that, sorry, I didn't put this in our notes, but I wanted to ask you, what are okay. your thoughts on the Saudi league and their movements throughout leagues in general? So they they are interesting because you you talked about kind of like state owned dollars before and the Saudi leagues are very much, you know, kind of owned by royals down there like they are, you know, sort of how we talked about, you know, when during the 50 plus one rule episode is that you have often teams that are corporately owned or like they have investor groups kind of working um, or I guess pooling money to own the teams uh, where this one you just have like outright single names like owning clubs and yeah so man we we will talk about Messi in a little bit I assume but uh, you know when his move from PSG was happening there was a lot of talk about him moving to Saudi Arabia and I think like the numbers that were being thrown around were crazy is uh, just unfettered uh money just just being tossed around and so yeah uh the the names that are associated obviously most uh sort of famously is cristiano ronaldo who is playing over there now you know he's Um, like having the worst time of his life just absolutely he's having like the worst time of his life like garbo have you have you seen the video of the club's owner where uh, <laughs> after a game that they lost, he's like, he can't pass, he can't dribble, he can't shoot, he's shit. <laughs> All he could do is sue. <laughs> um, no, and it's really funny because uh, Gold.com just put out their uh, 25 elites of the elite uh, list on, on both the women's and men's side. And notably absent uh, from that list was Ronaldo. Oh, he, was, he wasn't on it at all. That's He's amazing. Not on it at all. So yes, you you have Messi there, uh, but his wow. his goat status has been enshrined. And uh, uh, God, he fell off so hard. Well, and that's sort of the thing is that Ronaldo hit his you know Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, like you you went a year too long, buddy. You you should have bowed out. Like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh he's he's an old old legend who just is not doing it anymore. And he I mean he has this great line that's like, I don't chase records, check records chase me. Yeah. And all the records he's been breaking have been for appearances. <laughs> I'm yes. just like, bro, you're not scoring though. You're just showing up. Yep, and I, I mean, one could argue it was even before that move that his his downfall was apparent because of how things shaped out with his return to Manchester United. Oh, so I will I will be very honest. When that announcement came out, I was stoked. I was yeah. so pumped. I was like, "Oh my god, the the boy who became a man has come home." 
yeah. and he had a good he had a good season. I think he scored like twenty two goals or something. But then, like, it was so clear that when the team started to do that and he started to drop off, it was yep. like, yeah, this guy can't play anymore. This yep. is like all he could really do was get it in one spot and shoot it. Yes. But he was significantly slower. He couldn't pass the ball and he couldn't dribble because he was just slow. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel a little bit bad about him falling off like that but uh-huh. again you should probably know your own limits i you know and and yeah that's sort of the and i still hold that um la liga is is very much uh a a protective league of its stars in comparison to other uh european leagues uh, particularly the Premier League, um, because of the fact that in England the game is markedly more physical than uh, a lot of places in Europe. Uh, so it was it was interesting. I mean, he he, as you said, held his own or you know played impressively. But he had a, he had a season like his first season back. I remember his first game. Yeah. Against Newcastle, he scored two goals in the first half, and I was like, oh my god, he's back. That's the thing about the Premier League. Any team can be any team. I mean, look at Man City treble winners, and they tied to Southampton, who got last. True. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just the beauty of that league. But let's, uh, let's move on, because <laughs> we're getting a little wrapped up. Yes. Let's okay. go into... <laughs> I want to give you a couple of uh, the transfers that have happened or are basically confirmed and yeah. see what our thoughts are. Yep. All right. So the first one, obviously, is the big one this summer, which is Jude Bellingham, who has gone to Dortmund to Real Madrid for 120 million euros. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, Jude is a guy where if you followed him uh, or even just followed football in general, like his name came up so often. He was, uh, just made a huge impact with Dortmund and Real Madrid. Uh, they, they are kind of seeking blood going for this transfer. So, uh, it is definitely like return of the Galacticos type of spending, uh, especially after the, uh, pandemic. I, you know, you definitely saw particularly with, um, Barcelona facing a lot of financial hardship because they spent so wildly, uh, in, in kind of the seasons, uh, before that. Um, yes. So for, Jude Bellingham, who has come into Real Madrid, he's going to be part of that new generation for the next decade, basically. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute genius, and that midfield is going to consist of Jude Bellingham, 20-something, Kamavinga, who's 21, and Tuchemeni, who's 21. They have basically gotten the three, three of the top midfielders in the world for their age and are like, we're set. Oh, and they're going to be learning under Cruz and Modric, yeah. which is crazy. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens. The funny story with Jude, I don't know if you know this, but when he left uh, Birmingham City to go to Dortmund, they actually retired his number, and he was like 18. Oh, no kidding. 
Yeah, they like they knew. <laughs> they were like, "This guy is so good. We're retiring his number." And people were like, "Why?" And now he's the player he is, and they're all like, "Yeah, we told you so." Yeah. Wow. He's he's a force, and I'm very very happy that he's English. For sure. So, ne- so next up on the docket, we have obviously the big news while we were away, which is Lionel Messi, who is going from PSG to Inter Miami on a free transfer. I know we're super late. It's not exactly breaking news, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts being two guys who used to be on a MLS podcast. Uh-huh. What what does this mean for the league? And I mean, Inter Miami are last. They're yes. They're dead last. So is is he about to save them? <laughs> I mean, well, so here's here's the thing. There are uh, it's not even over. Like there are uh, uh, names still being linked uh, for for Inter Miami, and they are names where it's like they already have three DPS. They've actually had to sell. Uh, Pizarro, who I believe is heading over to LAFC uh, or one of the. Should we should we explain quickly what a DP player? So, gosh, in MLS, uh, they are heavily sort of, uh, I guess, limited with their rosters of who they can have in terms of like a big money player. And right now it, it each team can have three players that make uh, above a threshold of a, a certain amount. I think it's like 1.6 million or 2 million, something like that, somewhere around there. Uh, if they are above that threshold, then they are uh, in, or I guess allotted to a designated player slot. And right. so that just means that you can't have teams that just load up with huge names or, you know, uh, in, a sense, in essence, MLS kind of works under a socialist system where none of the money belongs to the teams. It all kind of belongs to MLS. Yeah. It, in, in a so, weird way, the USA League is kind of communist. Yes, it really so. is. <laughs> you owe you owe nothing and you will be no i'm kidding i'm not gonna get into that i'm not i am not that guy but anyways it's it's really funny because it is a very loopy uh financial so now there's there's certain money that belongs to the clubs but when it right. when you talk about uh allocated money and there is targeted allocated money and uh, general uh, allocated money that essentially is managed by the league itself and is sort of designated to different teams or different teams have a certain amount that they can spend when they are buying players. Uh, However, it's like a Brewster's million situation where that money will disappear after a certain amount of time. It's a very strange, Uh, but yes. So with the messy deal, this is very similar to something that got worked out when David Beckham came into the league. It was a very different thing, you know, 15 years ago or even longer than that. But uh, it is essentially he's getting a lot of perks aside from uh, his own salary. So, like, it is something where not only is is he being paid probably a way lesser sum than what he would be paid if he went to uh, Saudi Arabia. However, he is getting 
a revenue cut or you, I, I think it's either revenue or a yeah. profit. It's a he's profit getting, cut. He's getting a revenue cut from Adidas and Apple. So when it comes to kit uh, sales, uh, Adidas is just going to make money hand over fist on this. Like people are going to be buying messy inter Miami jerseys like crazy. Uh, another thing is that Apple being the exclusive uh, streaming holder of MLS, they are also going to get a ton of new signups just for people uh, to watch Messi. So part of his contract is he gets a certain cut of the profits that come from this. So it is really crazy. I'm sure there are tons of other parts to the deal that will be revealed, uh, you know, sort of like at a later time, like sort of what was discussed with David Beckham is that he was given a deal where he could start a uh, MLS team at a later time for the price of when he signed his contract. So essentially back when he signed, you could start an MLS team for like $50 million to 30 to $50 million. That price has gone up to about $300 million. And that's just to like start talking about starting an MLS team. So it is a, a crazy number now. And Beckham got to come in at basically like a uh, third of the price or, or even a quarter of the price when he started into Miami. Yeah. He's, he's done a job over there, to be honest, the way he did his contract to set himself up so that he could also become an owner <laughs> later. And then, Oh, I'm going to bring the gr- like the biggest sports player ever yeah. to the MLS. I think it's really good for the MLS, obviously. Um, I'm not super happy about how, even though he's not even playing tomorrow, I looked at the into Miami DC United tickets and they're so expensive. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, he's not even playing and they've gone up like 80%. <laughs> like Pablo, it doesn't make any sense. Pablo Maurer. Shout out uh, at MLSist. Uh, he is yeah. a writer for The Athletic. Uh, s- tweeted out saying that he uh, just witnessed someone uh, talking to his friends about how excited he is uh, to see Messi and oh, DC. And he's sitting with that silent satisfaction knowing that this kind of like Johnny Come Lately guy is going to be sorely disappointed and has probably way like 200 bucks (laughs) there were some people saying that like they sold their you know 50 dollar ticket for 500 or something like that i don't know how real that is but that is crazy and and that's just on speculation or just the fact that like people are like oh he he's got to be playing right he's he's in mls now so like it is uh super funny it is a quick lesson that people are going to learn. Uh, I'm excited for it. But yeah. moving moving on, the next one we have is Sandro Tonali, a AC Milan player who has been uh, compared to the likes of Gattuso, who is going to Newcastle for 70 million euros. Yep. It's, it's a bit of a shock transfer because he was very happy at AC Milan and wanted to stay, but they realized that they had to sell their players and basically told him that there wasn't a spot for him, even though that's his boyhood club in a way. Um, well, not boyhood, but he spent the largest part of his career there. 
Yeah. But it's a great get for Newcastle where he has now become the most expensive Italian ever to, yeah, most, most expensive Italian ever. Yeah. So, uh, and, and good for Newcastle who, you know, are, are showing a lot of ambition going into, uh, this next year, especially after a really successful, uh, campaign like that. They are showing that they're serious, uh, to kind of like, you know, top four finish, you know, that's, that's sort of what they're shooting for. Yeah. What I really like about them is, or I guess a little bit jealous about them is Eddie Eddie Howe, who is a fantastic coach. I hope one day he's coaching England. Mm-hmm. What the kind of players he's trying to bring in are young guys that he can mold into star players for their team. Because the end goal isn't about just getting that superstar. That's what most people thought with the Newcastle takeover. Like, oh, they're gonna have Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, you know, all the names on their team in like a year. Yeah. But what he's doing is he's spending the amount of money he's given wisely to create a team that's going to be successful in, you know, the Premier League and now Champions League, which is huge for Newcastle. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Tonali. I really think he's a bit of a box to box brute, mm-hmm. and he's going to be he's he's a great signing. I don't think they're done yet either. Uh, yeah. in the transfer window. It's basically just begun. Like, uh, again, you know, we're going till August. It's that last day of August where the deadline day happens. So, like, the the big I mean, this has been big news so far, but like there is still plenty that can happen. Uh, You know, we could even see a Neymar move by the end of this. Yeah, they are trying to push him. Hey, we might see an Mbappe move because they're furious with them. Mbappe move. That's crazy. They're so furious. Yeah, they're furious with him. Why would you tell them that you're not resigning? (laughs) (laughs) He was so mad. Yeah, it's so good. All right. We're going to move on to uh, which will be Daniel's favorite part of the podcast. Absolutely. Do do you want to take over from here with Arsenal's two big signings of the summer? Yeah. So, I mean, Arsenal had. Quite possibly just like a a dream season that turned out to be too good of a dream. Uh, they, they almost fell asleep at the wheel, one would say. But, uh, you know, uh, spending, uh, what was it? I mean, it was probably 17 weeks at that number one or at the top yeah. of the table. It was um, all the way until April. Yeah. So they, no one was really expecting anything uh from the season they like top four was probably best that the team could hope for uh but you know with uh some some prudent signings of you know uh uh gabriel de juice uh jesus and um uh chef uh alexander what was that zinni yeah, Zenny. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a that's an easier way to say that. Uh, yeah, yes. I figured it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> Zinchenko. That's right. Uh, so having having those two come up, and then especially with uh, just a a great season from Martin Odegaard, uh, Arsenal just kind of put some pieces together that worked. Unfortunately, they're one of the youngest squads in the Premier League, and it really showed in kind of that long stretch of the late season 
where they they kind of faltered uh, against teams that were entirely beatable. But they are looking to fix that. So, you know, one thing they offloaded, you know, who we did, who I mentioned before, uh, Pepe, um, and, and now are bringing in Kai Havertz from uh, Chelsea, who is, yeah, like you said, kind of an interesting signing for Arsenal. Uh, he's going to be left attacking midfielder, playing wide. Uh, the thing is, is, yeah, we just need someone who can be super consistent on the wing to uh, feed it inside. Uh, and then another great pickup, and, and this was kind of talked about for a long time, and I thought this was going to drag out for a while, but bringing in... It looks done. What was that? It looks it looks like it's completely done now. It looks like it's all set. So Declan uh, Rice uh, coming from West Ham for 105 million pounds. People are like for a midfielder. But I mean, look at what happened this season with the uh, with the performance that City got a got out of um, Kevin De Bruyne. Midfield is becoming kind of that that all rounder type of position now where like you need a, a real like field general uh, who can kind of lead the way, be that box to box guy, uh, be a guy who can be a playmaker, be a guy who can run, uh, make runs into the box, make runs past the defense uh, and kind of do like a little bit of everything. And uh, what Rice showed at West Ham is he is just like a very special player. Uh, I would say, yes, he is worth uh the the price tag and i think having him with odegaard just absolutely uh you know making work in in that midfield like it's going to be super fun uh to watch that especially yeah with uh you know uh havertz and Jorginho and jesus you know just just shoring up that attack like it's going to be super fun uh watching this team play yeah i'm looking forward to it i think with um, the leaving of Granite Xhaka, who's going back to Bayern Leverkusen, yep, you're you're replacing him with a guy who is twice the player. Um, yeah. I mean, Xhaka was Xhaka was good and was such a servant to Arsenal, but Declan Rice is a hell of a talent. Uh, he's a England international regular. He is a field general, and he's going to be there for. The foreseeable future. He's not sticking yep. around for two years. So I think it's a very good get. You know, he was definitely leaving West Ham. And if you're an Arsenal fan, you're glad it's you're glad it's you. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. It's it's definitely a big bolster. I'm very interested to see how quickly he fits into Arteta's system. Yep. And so I moving guess, on. Yeah, yeah oh, come, yeah, sorry, coming into to your neck of the woods here. Yeah, I'm very, uh, I'm in a very good mood. (laughs) So, of course, Man United, which still requires tons of work, is definitely bolstered up with the signing of Mason Mount for 65 million pounds. This is a necessary change for Ten Hag's vision with a player that is comfortable in both attack and defense. When you look at that midfield and you have Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, and there's a piece missing where it's either Fred or it's McTominay or Erickson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, we were picking Erickson over McTominay or Fred, and he was literally dead at one point. So, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's crazy. Uh, Mason Mount is going to be an absolute starlet for us. My favorite part is how upset Chelsea fans are about it. Uh, uh, um, because he's been, you know, w- probably their longest serving servant in a long time. He's been with the club since he was six. So he has literally been at that club for 18 years. And um, he looks absolutely f- like he looks so excited to be joining Man United. So I'm very yeah. excited for that. Now, the other one, which was news that came out today, that the fee is about $5 million off, but it's going to be sealed within the next week, which is a huge signing for Man United and also dictates a massive change within the club, is the Inter Milan goalkeeper Andre Onana. Um, I've been every time his name is mentioned, I've been singing uh, "What's My Name" by Rihanna, oh, which gosh, is yeah. "Oh Na Na." What's yep. my name? So I've been sending that out a lot. He's nice. going to be coming in for my guess is fifty-five million pounds, which is a big change for Ten Hag's Tricky Reds because this is replacing David De Gea, who has yep. been a incredible servant for twelve years at the club. He is literally the last player on the team that won the league under Sir Alex Ferguson 10 years ago. Like um, I, I follow Manchester United quite a bit, or I, I watch them and every time like David, De, David DeHaia like is announced or shows up on screen. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's still there. Like it could be even in the, <laughs> the same game. And I'll be like, Oh, right. He is still Manchester United. He has been there for ages. Ages. <laughs> I I gotta I send my buddies a my Arsenal buddies a text um, that was like deal nearly completed, blah blah. blah. Yeah. And my friend Gabo replied and said, "Wow, you're getting this pumped about a near signing. You sound like an Arsenal fan." <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Man, you haven't had this man for for twelve years." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so, so funny. I'm very excited. This this is a player. He basically was the stone wall that helped get into Milan to a Champions League final yeah. this year. Um, he also knows Eric Ten Hag, pl- played for him at Ajax. Nice. And so obviously knows the system about playing out of the back when under pressure. Stavid De Gea was very bad at. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, that's honestly probably if we sign anyone else, I I think Onana is probably my signing of the season for me. Yep. Nice. So we'll move on to uh, a club we all love to hate. Yep. Uh, Liverpool also has done two large signings, which are in the cases of McAllister from Brian to Liverpool for 42 million euros. That's a big guess. Obviously, that's a big get. It was an early get too. This happened right when the transfer window opened. He is a World Cup winner with Argentina back in January in Qatar. And he definitely proved himself to be one of the best attacking midfielders of the Premier League. He's joining a team that is sort of in that funny switch, a bit like Real Madrid, where you're trying to replace your old players with the next generation. For sure. And so I'm interested to see how he does there. But their other one, which is a surprise, an old Arsenal target, 
which is Dominic. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Zoboslai. Zoboslai. Yeah. That. Yep. Who is leaving from RB Leipzig to Liverpool for 70 million euros? He's only 22, 22 years old. He's a young talent from Hungary. Probably Hungary's best player at the moment. Uh, he's a promising winger, and there are looks at him becoming the long-term star on one of their wings, most likely the left. But that Liverpool team is trying to phase out. They've just sent uh, Firmino to Saudi Arabia. Yep. Obviously, Sadio Mane left uh, the year before. Yep. And they have Salah, which will, I mean, we'll see. I don't yeah. really know what's up with them. Yeah, so with the outgoings of Mane, of course, to Bayern Munich the year before, and of course they have uh, Mohamed Salah, who is out on the right wing, who is getting up there in age. It, they're in sort of the turn of their generation where they need to start bringing in new people. So I'm looking forward to watching Zobos die. Uh at Liverpool, I mean, I hope he doesn't do well, but yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. And of course, we have to look at what's been happening at Chelsea, who we talked about a little bit before in the episode where they had their new coach, Mauricio Pochettino, uh, and they have been sending a lot. Uh, I think the number is at six now mm-hmm. for players going to the Saudi Arabian League. And they are definitely going to be looking for some signings this summer. Yeah. Uh, well, one one big departure that happened uh, in actually, I believe this is confirmed. It is happening uh, is Christian Pulisic. Uh, Captain America is right. moving from Chelsea to uh, AC Milan over in Italy uh, for 22 million euros. Or whatever that that conversion is, but uh, yeah. So this is it was it was in the cards, like the writing was on the wall and everything. Uh, but what is really shocking about it is the disparity from when he made his move from Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea. It was about seventy six million pounds. And uh, in this case, that is a difference of, yeah, 54 million pounds or euros, whatever. Uh, and, and so that is a huge fall uh, in, in terms of market value. Now, it's very weird how all of these numbers kind of get made up. And, and I would assume like a lot of it is kind of inflated by <laughs> agent fees and whatnot. But for sure, uh, for for the most part, like uh this I kind of saw it happening when he made his move. What was it? 2019 was was the year might, that might be even earlier. Might yeah. have been 2018, somewhere around there. Uh, that Chelsea does not do well with young players. Uh, it's been Which is crazy because they sign a ton. They they sign so many, but kind of the famous examples are uh, Mohamed Salah. And Kevin De Bruyne, who very much, you know, at at kind of earlier stages in their career, uh, they did not do well with Chelsea. They spent a couple years away and then eventually made their ways back uh, to the uh, Premier League 
and then just completely flourish. You had Salah at one point, uh, you know, came in from Roma. Yeah. Came in from Roma, made, made the, uh, or led, uh, Liverpool to, you know, their championship, uh, became the top goal scorer. I mean, the guy was amazing. And with Kevin De Bruyne, you know, he's won championships, uh, all sorts of them with, uh, we need another podcast for that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, this is one of those things where uh, Pulisic, he is only 24 years old, uh, which is pretty amazing because I always thought he it? was like 26 or 27. But that's no, what he, I thought, too. He always looks so much older than his actual age. That's always been like his thing. Even, <laughs> <That's> stress. <laughs> even at like 17, he already looked like 21. But uh, <laughs> wow, I didn't um, realize he was that young still. He is still that young, and he is going to an AC Milan side that uh, is is looking to you know sort of uh, get back on top. They they want to get back on top, you know, against their rivals, uh, Inter, and then you know uh, start winning championships again. So that that is uh, yeah. Hopefully he gets over there. Hopefully he. Uh, impresses and flourishes. Yeah, yeah, he deserves it. He's he's one of the great players, kind of like of our generation, and in, in terms of like the LeBron American James players. of soccer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I won't go that far, but I mean, he definitely made an impact uh, at several points uh, during his Chelsea days. Uh, he's won championships with them, so like. He's he's good. Whatever, you know, sort of like, you know, the the stories that will come of his career. I think he's definitely uh, proved himself as as a quality player. And right. I think, you know, Milan will be happy to have him. And I I hope he do, does well. It was actually um, ex Chelsea player who's over at AC Milan, Tamori, who helped convince him to come over because he said, you know, the way that the club treats you, the way that they care about their players and they want you to excel. Um, that apparently was a big get for Pulisic. And I think it'll I think it'll work out because when I watch him play for the US, I'm like, he's a good player. He's a solid player. But when he gets thrown on for twenty minutes, fifteen minutes at Chelsea, I'm like, what is the point of this? Um, yeah. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing how he excels going forward. Now, so with that's with that said, uh, you know I do have an article uh, in in the news. Uh, Cursed or careless? Why Pulisic failed at Chelsea? Uh, just kind of a look back at his time there, and again, yeah, hopefully hopefully it turns around for him. Yeah, I mean that's the big hope. Yeah, and going on to the news. The one of the big ones that we have is the Ukraine waits for a tomorrow it cannot see, which was a very powerful article by Rory Smith. And yep. this was all about obviously what is happening in Ukraine right now, but also looking at the football side of it through the eyes of Shevchenko. Yes. And uh, yeah, no, and, and just how much the uh, country rallies uh, around um, their national team and some of the younger players that have been coming up and uh, yeah, sort of just try, they, they try to make life as normal as possible, even under, you know, just 
absolutely traumatic circumstances. So yeah, that's uh, very much worth a read. And really, uh, On Soccer by Rory Smith is just a, a fantastic newsletter to subscribe to. Uh, I don't think you need to be a uh, New York Times subscriber, but uh, he, yeah, it's a quality newsletter that gets my endorsement, and that is very much worth a read. Yeah, of course. And then going from there, we have one year later, Paul Ariola. Now, do you want to walk us through this one about Paul yeah. Ariola and his his journey so far? Boy, so uh, this is just a, a uh, so last year he joined uh, FC Dallas from DC United, uh, very much under kind of bad circumstances uh during that time uh dc united had a coach uh named hernan losada who was oh he was one of those uh, kind of like slave driver coaches (laughs) like he he was very much uh kind of like a health freak in a way but like he regimented players yes very controlled like it was like these are professional athletes. They know what they're doing. But one of the sort of stories was, I think it was Chris Seitz, one of the goalkeepers, uh, his wife posted like an old, it was like an old Instagram photo of them at like a, uh, I think it was like a 4th of July cookout or something. And he had like a bag of chips or something he was eating out of. And like Losada had one of the assistant coaches go over and like, be like, yo, dude, what are you doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Uh, they So like players were like driven to like almost anemic levels of like malnutrition <laughs> under Luxada. And I think I think uh, he and Ariola just butted heads a whole lot. And at a certain point, uh, he demanded a transfer and he ended up back in uh, or kind of around Texas, Uh, not back in because he's originally, well, he's dual citizenship. He is, uh, he spent some time down in Mexico. I believe he was born in California, but um, he played in Tijuana and then came over to DC United. But now he's kind of back closer to the border. He seems to be doing really well. So like uh, Club 11 did an initial article with him kind of, you know, about his time in D.C. And then they did a catch up interview with him a year later where they had they gave him like disposable cameras like take you know take some pictures of you know your season and then you know they asked him kind of a bunch of questions about playing in uh dallas uh family life that sort of thing so it's just it's good to see him flourish uh he's he's gained the captaincy uh over there and he's been playing on the u.s men's national team so he's been doing really well and it's i'm i'm just happy for the guy so just including that because it's it's a good feel good interview nice. type of story definitely miss him now the other big thing that we have coming up this summer is the women's world cup now this yep. is something that we're all excited for if the u.s women are going to win it for the fourth thousandth time in a row <laughs> uh what would it be the third time in a row i believe uh fourth god i think yeah. So the hope is is that that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. but 
It's it's going to be an amazing World Cup that is kicking off in Australia and New Zealand, which I believe it's uh, two weeks away at time of recording. Yep. Yeah, I, I July twentieth. July twentieth. What are your expectations? Again, yes, uh, the women's are going to cruise uh to to another world cup championship and that's that's all i really have to say <laughs> no i'm kidding uh no uh with with england they are looking really really strong especially coming off a euros win uh i i am keeping an eye on them uh especially yes they they have some lionesses who are looking to make an impact especially a brand new arsenal signing oh, so bitter uh, alessia russo oh, so bitter uh, that that is a nice little pickup. Excited for uh the Super League next season. See how that goes. Uh, but yeah. So no, I think I think England has a very strong chance. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens with that. Yeah, we'll see. England has a number of uh injuries. Their captain uh had an ACL injury, so yeah. things will be tough. But I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, of course, Alicia Russo has moved to Arsenal on a free transfer from Man United. I hate it. Um, she yeah. is probably the best left winger in the world right now. I wish her the best. I just kind of wish she stuck around. Uh, but she's English, so we'll get one more trophy with her this summer. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. see. Uh, but. In other international news, you have the U.S. men's national team uh, playing in the Gold Cup. They actually won the CONCACAF Nations League last month uh, pretty handily, kind of rolling over Mexico and Canada. Uh, But yeah, they are in the quarterfinals now. They had kind of a scare against Jamaica in the first round, but then they... Uh, very much cruised past uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and then another Caribbean island I can't remember the name of. Uh, but they had a four nothing. Yeah, that one. They <laughs> trashed them. I, would- uh, I believe that was six nothing. Yeah. with uh, Ferrero getting getting he a hat got, trick. He became of the first U.S. player to get a hat trick in the first half. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> And so uh, they are taking on Canada in the Gold Cup quarterfinals, and that is happening uh, on Sunday, Sunday, July 9th. Forget the time, uh, but I believe those games are on Paramount Plus. So uh, if I catch up or I will I will put the time in the show notes I don't have it in front of me right now but we are already kind of reaching that hour point and uh Tom it's good to be back I have really enjoyed you know kind of getting back in the saddle talking about all the stuff that's been happening it's been way too much and I've made several mistakes uh, in this <laughs> podcast that's uh, gonna be fun to edit but um no it's this is always a crazy time of year and I'm I'm glad we could get back together and talk about it oh yeah this has definitely been a good podcast obviously when you take a break off you gotta you got a little bit of rust that we both have yeah. um trying to get back into it but yeah um for the good people that are listening to us right now, if you'd like to follow us on our socials, my social is 
T.I. Ferguson 94 on Instagram, or you could follow me on Twitter, which also might become a threads at this point, at Snitch McConnell. Uh, Daniel, could, could you let the good people know where they can find you and our podcast? Yeah, so I, I, you can find me on Instagram at Professor SDFC, and I did make the transfer to Threads as well. So you can find me on there, and you can also find me on Twitter for how much longer I don't know, but that's at Daniel Six O Five Wise. You can find the Artful Nutmeg on Twitter and on Instagram at the Artful Nutmeg. Uh, a thank you to all who listen to our show and support us. Remember to be well and watch more soccer. Yeah.